Remember the Thai cave rescue? What about the mission depicted in Black Hawk Down or the epic rescue shown in Captain Phillips? You've probably heard of all of these, but did you know that U.S. Air Force Special Warfare played a pivotal role in all of them? These airmen are the most highly trained warriors on the planet. Other forces like the SEALs and Army Rangers call on them to provide skills no one else can. Not many people make the cut, but if you think you can, visit AirForce.com to learn more. Dave LaGreca and ECW legend Tommy Dreamer look back on the territories and delve into Georgia Championship Wrestling. This is Busted Open's Remembering the Territories special. Welcome to Busted Open, Remembering the Territories, Georgia Championship Wrestling, and my tag team partner for all of the Remembering the Territory shows, the innovator of violence, the landlord of the House of Hardcore himself, the one and only Tommy Dreamer. Tommy, how are you, man? I'm doing great. This has been the hardest and going to be the best one ever. Hardest because I'm having communication problems with my stupid internet. I think Vince McMahon is trying to buy my uh, house and black, black uh, whatever day we're recording this because we want to talk about Georgia Championship Wrestling. You know, Dave, I was also thinking about some of the things that we have been talking about have probably been the most traumatic things in mine and your life when it comes to professional wrestling. We talked about, uh, for me, it would be the closing of ECW being number one, the John Stossel 2020 documentary, Black Saturday, and The Undertaker Streak losing. And we've been covering a lot of this up until The Undertaker Streak. And uh, we're bringing back memories, man. I love it. Yeah, and I think when you think of the territories, especially Georgia Championship Wrestling, a lot of memories come to mind. Georgia Championship Wrestling having a lot of advantages over the other territories, Tommy, because as of 1972, they were on WTBS. Now it was a different name at that point. It was WTCG, but Superstation WTBS, even though it was a regional territory, the show was seen nationwide. For me, I remember like before there was wrestling in my life, it was Star Wars and baseball, the New York Yankees. Then Georgia Championship Wrestling ruined my baseball career because I could care less about baseball because I had to watch wrestling. And my Saturdays were now consumed with professional wrestling. And, you know, for a regional territory, it blew up because of this vision of Ted Turner and his superstation. And, you know, it, it sucks that we don't have a lot of this footage because back in the day they would tape over the beta tapes and the VCR tapes. You would just tape over it because they cost so much money. So it's almost like lost footage. The only way you could really, really talk about it. WWE has popped up with some of it. It's through the wrestling magazines and through crazy us or YouTube where you watch it and it's just like, man, it was, it was so simplistic in its form, but everyone who was anyone went through there and you became a national star. It was like going to the WWE today. You could do indies, you can do other wrestling companies, but once you set foot on the main stage of Georgia championship wrestling and was getting a push, you became an international recognized superstar. And there's so much to get into when it comes to Georgia Championship Wrestling. Last week, we did Mid-South Wrestling. And I think a lot of people would say that was probably the best territory. I don't agree with that. I loved Mid-South, but it was not my favorite to watch. But a lot of people would say Mid-South. But when you look at Georgia Championship Wrestling, Tommy, it did give you that national exposure. And as I mentioned, you know, going to TV in 1972, 1976 is when it became WTBS. That's when Georgia Championship Wrestling went to satellite and was the first NWA promotion to go national. And it's, and it's crazy to think about it then because all promotions are national the way that TV is. But you got to think of a time when there was no cable TV and all everything was was your regional television. You know, like if you lived in New Jersey, you only got stations around that area. Things changed throughout the 70s obviously in the 80s with cable TV. But when you talk about a national product like Georgia Championship Wrestling and you look at TBS, you know, one of the first faces I ever saw as a professional wrestling fan and somebody who is for a long time the greatest voice and the face of professional wrestling to me was Hall of Famer Gordon Soley. 
Gordon Soley was the storyteller. Gordon Soley was the rock of that promotion. I don't mean Dwayne Johnson. I meant he was the storyteller. He was, you thought he was the biggest fixture uh, of professional wrestling because he garnered those emotions with his Walter Cronkite-esque delivery of all this chaos that was going on. He sold the stories to the viewer. And I mean, he was the voice of so many generations of wrestling until I want to say Jim Ross. And Mm. Jim Ross has been the only person comparable to that. Hey, Gordon Soley was that voice. And you're right. If I was going to say the greatest voice in the history of pro wrestling, I would say Jim Ross. But Gordon Soley was really the rock and the foundation. And I'm sure in a lot of ways, Jim Ross would give a lot of credit to somebody like Gordon Soley. And I love what you said that Gordon was a, uh, a storyteller. Gordon Soley did sports play by play before getting involved in pro wrestling. So he really brought that credibility and that sports feel to his commentary. And he called it like it was a real professional wrestling match. This was before the times of, you know, you know, Twitter and social media and pay-per-views. You know, he didn't even really promote those shows at the Omni. That would be Freddie Miller that did that coming out or going in to commercials. Gordon Soley did a wonderful job of bringing credibility to every single match. He talked about, you know, what body part a wrestler was was using, you know, how it was going to hurt that particular body part, how it was going to wear that wrestler down, you know, leading up to the finish and a finisher at the end of that match. And the best person I could kind of compare him to, Tommy, was he was kind of like the Pat Summerall of professional wrestling. You know, Pat Summerall had that kind of just like kind of dry delivery. You know, he told you what was going on, didn't show any really over-the-top excitement because, hey, that was John Madden's job. In the case of Gordon Soley, it was the wrestler's job to show that passion and to show that excitement. That's why he was such a great interviewer, too. But Gordon Soley, to me, was the master. And that's going back at the time, Tommy, when you only had the one commentator. And Gordon Soley did it better than anyone else in that one-man booth. But as you said before, Tommy, it was also about the superstars that were in the ring as well. And like every other regional promotion, there were stars that went in and out of Georgia Championship Wrestling. But there was some mainstay stars, and there were some stars, Tommy, that when you think of Georgia Championship Wrestling, you think of particular wrestlers. Absolutely. I mean, you summarized it so, so well, where all this chaos is going on and you had the calming voice. I could relate to what I went through with Joey Styles and – Joey was never touched, neither, you know, Gordon Soley was touched once and it, it turned one of the top heels babyface and was an amazing angle. Like, and when you said the way he would invite all the other wrestlers in and there'd be fights going out on around him and he'd be like, wait a minute, uh-uh, brother. Like all these like chaos and all this stuff going, you could always rely on Gordon to be the face slash the rock to group it all together for you as a young viewer or as even as an older viewer. And when you think of superstars, like for you, Tommy, as a fan of Georgia, what were some of the stars that you think of when you think of Georgia championship wrestling? Uh, I mean, right away, Tommy Rich, uh, the Road Warriors, the Armstrongs, uh, Precious Paul Ellering. So many people cut their teeth there. Early days, the fabulous Freebirds, Jimmy Snuka, the list goes on and on. Yeah, and... You know, the one you mentioned, Tommy Rich, that's who I think of. I talked about it so many times on Busted Open, Tommy. The first wrestler I ever seen, the first time I ever watched pro wrestling was Tommy Wildfire Rich. The first feud I fell in love with was Tommy Rich and Buzz Sawyer. And again, that goes back to that satellite and goes back to the exposure of Georgia Championship Wrestling. At the time of those regional promotions, living in New Jersey, WWF should have been the promotion that I watched on a weekly basis, but because of the power of WTBS and the power of cable TV, here I am a Jersey kid watching Georgia championship wrestling, but it really was about the feuds. It really was about the wrestlers. And when you go back and watch Georgia championship wrestling from the late 
70s and early 80s, you can see the differences in the crowd of those people that went to the Omni each and every week. It was an older crowd because once again, you know, we grew up in a time where it's gauged towards a younger audience. But back at that time, it definitely skewed older when you look at the audience, Tommy. Absolutely. And the Omni was the Madison Square Garden. I didn't know anywhere, you know, growing up as a kid, I didn't know anything about Atlanta except for the Atlanta Braves and the Omni. And the Omni was bigger to me. And if you watch that program, it was all infomercial for what was going to happen at the Omni or what was going to happen in Columbus or what was going to happen and all those feuds and stuff. The guys would go and do television and then go out there on the road and put asses in the seats. And how you put asses in the seats? Good wrestling, storytelling, and feuds and angles. And we talked about how Georgia Championship Wrestling started and about them going to satellite in 1976. In 1982, they changed the name because of that national exposure. Even though it was still regional Georgia Championship Wrestling, they changed the name of the show on TBS from Georgia Championship Wrestling to World Championship Wrestling. And that's very, very significant. When we come back, Tommy, let's get into World Championship Wrestling. What happened in 1982? What happened in 1983? And what happened ultimately in 1984? We'll do all that when Tommy and I are back at Remembering the Territories right here on Busted Open. You're listening to Busted Open's Remembering the Territories Georgia Championship Wrestling Special, only on Sirius XM Fight Nation, Channel 156. Hear from the biggest names around the league on NBA Insiders. It's the head coach of the Golden State Warriors, Steve Kirk. You know, the climb is, in many ways, the most fun part of the ride. Before you've ever been there, the climb itself is euphoric. And the energy that you feel every day, uh, nobody can touch that. Hear Jason Jackson and Amin Hassan every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern, only on Sirius XM NBA Radio, Sirius 207, XM 86. This is Busted Open's Remembering the Territories Georgia Championship Special. Here's Dave LaGreca and ECW legend Tommy Dreamer. Welcome back to Busted Open, the territories, the golden era of professional wrestling. And today, Tommy, we're talking about Georgia Championship Wrestling. And we talked about the beginnings. We talked about some of the wrestlers. We obviously talked about the face and voice behind Georgia Championship Wrestling, Gordon Soley. But let's get into the 80s. As I said, in 1982, they changed the name from Georgia Championship Wrestling to World Championship Wrestling since it did have that satellite and that national exposure. But in 1983, something significant happened that would change the course and, again, would even change it more a year later. But in 1983, Jim Barnett was forced out. So the controllers, when it came to Georgia Championship Wrestling were the Briscoes and Ole Anderson. And a lot changed come 1984, July 14th. Black Saturday, Tommy, was a significant moment and significant day in the history of pro wrestling. I remember it like it was yesterday, tuning in and being like, where's Gordon Soley? What is going on? And, I, you know, I was a straight-up fan, man. I'm probably – what year did you say this is, 1983? Well, 1983 was when Barnett was forced out, but it was July 14th, 1984, when we had Black Saturday. Okay, so I'm 13 years old. I don't know what – you know, there is no internet. There are no, you know, wrestling sheets. I knew something was wrong. I also knew this wasn't the Georgia Championship Wrestling that I loved. Where was Mr. Wrestling number two? Where's Gordon Soley? Where's Tommy Rich? Where's all these guys? To think about the significance where I'm that young, that naive, and I realize, wow, this is something wrong and different. I mean, it's as, I don't want to say traumatic, but like I remember when Thurman Munson passed away, I was like, I realized that at such a young age, like, wow, this is traumatic. This is what a lot of people went with with Kobe Bryant. But for wrestling and being a wrestling fan, you're like, wait, what is going on? This is different. And it was different. And the best part about it was it wasn't uh, the first time it wasn't really successful with, I guessing, the WWE uh, trying to take over territory. 
Well, let's get the, the behind the scenes because I mentioned Jim Barnett was forced out. Then the Briscoes and Ole Anderson had controlling interest of Georgia Championship Wrestling, and the Briscoes sold their stake in Georgia Championship Wrestling to Vince McMahon. And it allowed Vince McMahon to get that time slot on WTBS at 6.05 on Saturdays. And you're right, July 14th, 1984, fans turned on to see what they thought was going to be Gordon Soley, but instead you saw Freddie Miller, who, by the way, Freddie Miller was the only person on staff to either not get fired or just quit on their own. So he actually stayed to be with the WWF and Vince McMahon. Freddie Miller introducing Vince McMahon to a TV audience that did not want to see Vince McMahon. And it got worse from there because with Georgia Championship Wrestling and World Championship Wrestling, you saw a, a weekly show that gave you content that was live from the TBS studios. You know, so you saw matchups, main event matchups that were there from the WTBS studios. That was not the case with the WWF. They showed you matches that you had already seen on their other shows. It was almost like 605 on Saturdays became a best of for the WWF. And very cartoonish, unlike that hardcore style of wrestling that you saw with the Southern style of Georgia Championship Wrestling. So immediately, the letters started to flood the TBS offices because, hey, you could watch WWF anywhere else. You did not want to watch it on TBS at 6.05. And I think that the ratings right away started to drop and then they tried to change it a little bit. Freddie Miller and Gorilla Monsoon hosted the show, and they tried to have some exclusive content from the TBS studios, but they were never able to gain those ratings, and they lost a lot of viewers starting on that Black Saturday, Tommy. Dave, I was uh, you know, doing research like you used did, and they lost three times the amount of viewership. When you talk about, like, and Ted Turner has gone on the record, and, you know, when – he has said if it wasn't professional wrestling, his enterprise, his business enterprise would not have started without professional wrestling. And this had a dramatic effect. And you said it the best, Southern wrestling versus the WWE. You could totally see there was a difference. Um, and the fans didn't ex accept it. They actually rejected it, which was able to have Ole Anderson who was a very, very small owner come back. And another thing, and I always talk about this with you, it's history. History always repeats itself. Georgia Championship Wrestling, when it first started, had two different owners. There was a split. The one guy had passed away, and they tried screwing over his wife, and some wrestlers stayed. Some wrestlers didn't. The ones that stayed actually uh, were able to stay in business because Georgia Championship Wrestling continued. So it's just funny how these things continue to happen uh, at times. And for wrestlers, they'll say it's like – that's a Southern thing when you have a, like a small ownership, there's always these little caveats or these little switches where you're like, Hmm, wait a minute. But at least it worked out for the wrestling fans benefit because, Hey, we're able to get Georgia championship wrestling, that different style back. Yeah. And you, you mentioned like a Ray Gunkel and then Ann Gunkel taking over and, and, and that power struggle. But with, with black Saturday, July 14th, 1984, like I say, Vince McMahon on your TV screen, Vince McMahon bought the Briscoe stake for $900,000 and gave the Briscoes a job for life. And as far as I know, you know, that has been kept true, you know, for the surviving Briscoe brother. And then Freddie Miller, as I mentioned, was the only on-air cast that did not either quit or get fired. And Ted Turner himself, we talked about the fans, but Ted Turner himself was pissed because, as I said, they were all recap matches. You know, there were recap matches and squash matches where in Georgia Championship Wrestling, it was original matches from the studios, and you were able to get some main event matches. So not only were the fans were pissed, but Ted Turner was pissed. And then by the end, or not even the end, like soon into 1985, McMahon sold his stake to the Crockett's. And then Georgia Championship Wrestling changed its face because, as you remember, Tommy, once the move was made to Saturdays with WWF program, Ole Anderson 
then tried to start Georgia Championship Wrestling very early Saturday mornings, almost immediately, but it didn't even last a year before that folded. So that pretty much was the end of Georgia Championship Wrestling. Yeah, and I remember that part too where there was a 9 o'clock or 9.05 show and a 6.05 show, and they two had different feels. And I remember Ole Anderson, and here's like Jimmy Hart and Thunderbolt Patterson. They brought back a super destroyer. They had all these different things. You know, it, it didn't feel the same. Uh, Buzz Sawyer was still there, who to me is, should be on the, the Georgia Championship Wrestling Mount Rushmore because he was such a big – he was the, the bad guy, though he was there for, as a, a baby face at first. But he was the perfect foil for Tommy Rich. It did not have the feel. And, yeah, Georgia Championship Wrestling sadly went away. But the good thing came apart. That little studio, that little set that they did with Gorilla Monsoon and Freddie Miller, that became the staple for World Championship Wrestling with Tony Schiavone and uh, Crockett. Yeah, and it definitely expanded into that with the Crockett's. But Georgia Championship Wrestling definitely, definitely in the history of pro wrestling is something that is still talked about today. And you mentioned Thunderbolt Patterson. Thunderbolt Patterson being one of the biggest baby faces of all time on Georgia Championship Wrestling. We're going to have him on exclusively, right, when we return, remembering the territories, the golden era of pro wrestling right here on Busted Open. You're listening to Busted Open's Remembering the Territories Georgia Championship Wrestling Special, only on Sirius XM Fight Nation, Channel 156. Your home for all things combat sports is Sirius XM Fight Nation. Start your day with Hall of Fame Pro Wrestling Talk on Busted Open. Respect these men and women that build the business. Then, the Barack Show keeps you up to date on all things boxing. Boxing is the theater of the unexpected. And MMA guru, Luke Thomas, has you covered for mixed martial arts. Joe Rogan is the most important influencer in all of MMA. The fight game broken down like nowhere else. Only on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Dave LaGreca and ECW legend Tommy Dreamer look back on the territories and delve into Georgia Championship Wrestling. This is Busted Open's Remembering the Territories special. Welcome back to Busted Open, Remembering the Territories, talking Georgia Championship Wrestling, myself and Tommy Dreamer. And Tommy, it's an absolute pleasure to introduce this next legend, Pro Wrestling Hall of Famer, uh, Mark Henry and I did our show a couple of months back of the top 10 greatest African-American wrestlers of all time. This man was on that list, and it's the one and only Thunderbolt Patterson. Sir, how are you? Very good, and you? Heaven high to everyone out there. Giving God all the praise and all the glory. It wasn't me. It was God took me through it all. Absolutely. A great message. Sir, we're talking uh, about uh, Georgia Championship Wrestling uh, for a lot of the fans that are, are listening. Uh, do, you, do you remember your travel schedule, like your weekly schedule that you would do, you know, just because a lot of the boys would talk about Georgia was a more travel friendly as opposed to Bill Watts's territory or world class. Oh, no comparison. Yes, yes, yes. And Monday night was, uh, excuse me, Augusta. Tuesday was uh, Macon. Wednesday was Columbus. Thursday was either Athens or Rome. Friday was Atlanta. Saturday was CV Day, either here and Columbus. And Sunday was Marietta, Georgia. Wow, that is a, that is a great uh, driving schedule. You could basically be home every single night. Oh yes, oh yes, yeah, yeah. wasn't wasn't no it was sweet little territory. And sir, like one thing that we talk about when it comes to Georgia Championship Wrestling, that was unlike a lot of the other territories, is that you had the power of the superstation TBS behind you. So even though you're in a local area, at that time you were a national superstar. Do you agree? No. Sure, I do. Uh, uh, TBS, uh, Channel 17, made most of the wrestlers that's out there today. And back then was uh, such a different art because 
not only where you had to be a great worker, but you also had to talk to people and get the people invested into your angles. And you were also uh, known as such a great talker. Do you have a favorite angle or something that you felt popped the territory oh, no, or made no, the no, most no. money? Oh, no, 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 no. It's not, no, it was no angle. I mean, as Miss Patty LaBelle says, uh, uh, her voice is her voice. And she does what she do. And this is my, this is me. Absolutely. You know, I wasn't, you know, are, are, you, are you with me? You know, there's yes, been sir. a lot of ones behind me, but I was never a part of any town that was going down or going closing down or nothing. Now, every town I worked in, thank God we went to the top. Wow. And, sir, you talked about there was no angle, no story. I think a big reason why a lot of fans related to you and a lot of fans loved you as a performer is because of the realism in your emotion and the realism on the microphone. Would you agree with that? Well, certainly, certainly. I mean, you, 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 saw, you saw it for yourself, so many people trying to do it or whatever. You know, that was me. You know, and I mean, Dusty Rose, okay? I mean, the American dream was at a home and a job, okay? And I mean, so many other guys they had doing, trying to have some, which, you know, I mean, you got to be yourself. You know, that's what I thought. Absolutely. Uh, I say it about a lot. I've been wrestling for 30 years, sir, and I say a lot today what people lose their own credibility because a lot of wrestlers are playing wrestler as opposed to being one or not being themselves. But um, it, it's, it's definitely a lost art form and I wish it wasn't that way. Well, you know, that's, that's, uh, this is a, this is a, a law, a heavy story here, doc, the breakdown. I mean, where it came from and how it broke down, I'm lining up on all of it, you know, because that's, that was the whole, the whole thing is, it's more people in wrestling that don't know nothing about wrestling. Okay. Or I didn't go to college or didn't da, 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 da. But I had the opportunity to wrestle some of the greatest individuals that could wrestle. And thank God I'd fight a little bit and I learned how to wrestle real good. And, and I, you know, that was, a, that that's, that's the kind of a, when they, you know, friendship over ability, and then I hate to get into that race card. You know, it's too deep, man. Right. You know, and you. things like that. Things like that never changes. Never changes. Of your all, of all of the, pardon. I said your generation learned how to listen to the crowd and knew what to well, make those. Well, the crowd, the crowd, the crowd is the one that pay the bills. Yep. Supposed to pay them, you know, if you get paid. But the crowd is the one. That's what you, whatever you do, if you drive a car, you drive it good. If you, I mean, tennis, baseball, whatever you do, the crowd is into you. And, you know, that's good, best, and better. Um, who trained you? I mean, how did you get into pro wrestling? Lies. Too many lies out there. She's lies. She said Pat O'Connor trained me, but that was a lie. No, no. Didn't, didn't, didn't. Well, I, I started wrestling. My mama sent me to the YMCA when I was a little baby kid, six years old. And I started wrestling a little bit. And I wrestled on up. And then my... <laughs> I, uh, I think it was the ninth, yeah, ninth grade. I wrestled a guy called Virgil Carr. That guy beat me in 56 seconds. And I said, hell, what's going on here? <laughs> and uh, then, then, I, then I, I, uh, I, uh, I, I looked at this wrestling, and I, I, Lou Fez was always a, a, just an idol of mine, you know. And uh, uh, that's what I wanted to do. But uh, uh, Jack Crawford, they came to Waterloo, Iowa, and they put a little a ring up out there at the, at the packing house. And uh, the Ox Baker and I from the same home. Uh, Ox is from Evansville, and I'm from Waterloo, 13 miles apart. Gus Kirsch and Bob Geiger was responsible for it. 
when it comes to Georgia Championship Wrestling, you know, the face and voice was, in a lot of ways, Gordon Solie. Uh, Gordon Solie, yes, sir. Gordon Solie, and, and, and how is it working with Gordon Solie? Oh, great. One of the best. The best. Great. Never had no, nothing, no kind of, Gordon was, as I would say, the man. I really enjoyed working with him. Uh, you mentioned about some of the wrestlers that you were able to make money with and that you were successful with. When I listen, when I think of Georgia Championship Wrestling, both good and bad, is your relationship with Ole Anderson. You know, obviously a tag team, best of friends, and then things went awry. Uh, talk a little bit about Ole Anderson and about what's, you know, and to also talk about like what we saw weekly on TV. Well, Ole, Ole was, is, is the only individual, him and Robert Fuller, that would give me a job. And uh, it was all about asses and seats. I mean, I, you know, well, we were not as big as New York, but we were selling out every week, everything. And uh, Ole was a, 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 a real good booker, and he was uh, he's an owner too. And uh, I never had no problem with him. He was a, a, a hell of a worker. You know, I, I, I never had to. I don't know how his wrestling ability because he never did go that far. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But I never did uh, have no problem out of him, and I always made money with him. The little money, when I say made money with him, it wasn't what it should have been now. Right. Um, now, you know, with you know your career behind you, please tell our audience what you're working on now, what you're doing, and how they can get in touch with you. I, I'm, I'm working with a, a guy out of Marion, Ohio. His name is Scott Spears, WWGH. 107.1 FM and uh, uh, Ohio and uh, I, I'm just about getting ready to once they let us out the door I'm going to work a little bit around these territories opening up this territory, this Georgia again I got a group I got a group called the Testimonies Testimonies Based Gospel Testimonies and we're going to travel a little bit and we put on wrestling shows. All right. Thunderbolt, thank you so much for the time. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank have a blessed you, day now. You too. All right. You, you too. You too. Thank you. Bye. Thunderbolt Patterson joining us on Busted Open. We'll all react when Tommy Dream and I are back on a Hall of Fame edition right here on Busted Open. You're listening to Busted Open's Remembering the Territories Georgia Championship Wrestling Special. Only on Sirius XM Fight Nation, Channel 156. Soccer is a passion that goes beyond the sport. And Sirius XM FC's podcast, More Than a Game, brings that passion to you. And you believe it! In each episode, FC's panel of experts take a deep dive into club histories, iconic grounds, Anfield has erupted! Bitter rivalries, and so much more. There's nothing like a derby day in Manchester. New episodes are available weekly by downloading the Pandora app and searching More Than a Game. This is Busted Open's Remembering the Territories Georgia Championship Special. Here's Dave LaGreca and ECW legend Tommy Dreamer. Welcome back to Busted Open, Remembering the Territories, talking Georgia Championship Wrestling with my tag team partner, the innovator of violence, the landlord of the House of Hardcore, Tommy Dreamer. And Tommy, we got into the politics of things. We got into like Black Saturday. We talked about the power struggle with, you know, uh, the Briscoes and, and Ole Anderson and Barnett. But when you think of Georgia Championship Wrestling, more than all of that is the wrestlers themselves and the great matches and the great feuds. I, I talked about, you know, Buzz Sawyer and Tommy Wildfire Rich, a feud that went on for almost two years. Um, and for a long time, the holy grail of pro wrestling was that final battle of Atlanta, which was the blow-off match 
for that feud that's still talked about today. What do you most remember about the wrestlers, the matches, and the feuds when it came to Georgia Championship Wrestling? Uh, for me, you know, it's Tommy Rich, Buzz Sawyer. I, too, was the biggest Tommy Rich and Buzz Sawyer fan. Uh, I remember the Freebirds feud. I remember when the Freebirds, you know, when Terry Gordy joined with Jimmy Snuka and they turned on Michael Hayes and Michael Hayes became a babyface. Ted DiBiase and, uh, you know, when he did the thing with, uh, we, we discussed it with him, with Mr. R and uh, uh, who we all thought was going to be uh tommy rich and it turns out that it's uh brad armstrong he wins the title uh it i hate that bullet bob armstrong doesn't get enough conversation and talk and play because he was such a big deal and he was you know i remember the fireman from marietta georgia which was right up the road and him always being like a main eventer in every territory he he was in and like you know i remember his accident that he got in into it working out crushed his face and like everything that happened in real life they would put on the television show uh, or, or or to me it was the first time i got to see the, the brilliance of roddy piper and roddy piper as gordon's co-host and yeah. he was so over the top and like i was like why is this bad guy like talking number one because he could but then you know you also had like the rick flares and the dusty roads or or all the special enforcers, uh, I remember, you know, when the Andersons turned on Dusty in the cage, I loved, I mean, loved, still to this day, I watch it on, on YouTube, where it's, they go to the Omni, and when they show you clips from the Omni, every show felt special, um, and like I said, and, and a lot, I think, Paul for ECW took, where it was all building towards specific events, because that's how we fed our families, and you heard that with Thunderbolt Patterson, you know, it was the angles and stuff that you ran, the, the wrestling matches were what fed your family and you knew what was working and what wasn't working because if something wasn't a sellout. So when they would go to uh, the Omni, I knew I was watching stuff that was special. That's why uh, if you think of how crazy I was, I asked that for Christmas from my parents. That's all I wanted that year. We were just to go see that last, that last match. I know where Atlanta was, but I knew I had to be there because they always made it feel so special. And just the wrestling and the chaos, the road warriors. I mean, the first time we see these gigantic muscular men with face paint and mohawks and destroying opponents coming in, that was, we never saw that. I know I never did. And it was like where the first part was like, I hated bad guys, but these guys were cool. And, you know, that whole de uh, Legion of Doom uh, having this manager. I mean, I remember when the Spoiler and King Kong Bundy were part of that and Jake the Snake. But everything they did, when you listen to it now, you know, we're both kind of historians. It pieces all the pieces together. But back then, if like somebody just left, you wouldn't understand it. But the fact that you had Gordon Soley or people just disappeared and they just went on as usual, and you were just like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> now it's such it's such a, a more complicated time where you you know there's speculation about Roman Reigns. You know, oh, he's taken off of everything. WWE hates Roman Reigns. No, who knows what's going on? But back then, we didn't care, and we just knew that we had the stability because we we're going to see awesome wrestling. And when I always say, wrestling is the name of the game, old school will never die. Uh, and I'm going back to, I just, I'm having all these memories come back to me as we're talking. I remember a super shredded Kevin Sullivan uh, with these stupid dreadlocks as a baby face. Then he turned heel uh, um, later on, a young Terry Taylor. All these guys are cutting their teeth through this company. And, and it's just, no matter what they presented to you, you knew it was special. Yeah, and you mentioned some of these wrestlers and the road warriors obviously you know we could spend hours talking about the road warriors and you're right a lot of people forget that they were popular with they're probably the first popular heels and what i say by that is that even though they were hated and they were presented on your tv as heels you fell in love with the road warriors because like you said you just never saw wrestlers like that before and also too and it's very significant, and I don't want to just gloss over it, is the Legion of Doom. 
that Legion of Doom was a stable that Paul Ellering managed. It was the spoiler, and it was Jake the Snake Roberts. And for a brief period of time, it was King Kong Bundy and the Road Warriors. You know, they went on to use that moniker when they went to the WWF, but the Legion of Doom was this just badass heel group on Georgia Championship Wrestling. And, Tommy, not too long ago, I gave you a 1983 uh, Georgia Championship Wrestling calendar. And it's amazing when you look at that calendar and you go through the pages of the wrestlers that were a part of Georgia Championship Wrestling in 1983, fast forward a year later, probably 90% of that calendar, that, that could have been a WWF 1984 <laughs> calendar when you look at that calendar from Georgia Championship Wrestling from 1983. Absolutely. You know, and we were also talking about, you know, uh, be special they would build up like abdul the butcher is coming into town or i remember and not knowing his life job but like it was an entire episode of who's dusty's uh partner going to be and it was george the animal steel and this wild man but dusty's going to control him dusty's going to contain him and like i never knew that like you know george animal steel was a school teacher and he only wrestled on the summers and for some reason he wasn't working for WWE that night, but he was going to come in and wrestle uh, for Georgia Championship Wrestling, and it made him even bigger. Uh, there, you know, the Christmas Day spectacular, Thanksgiving night uh, spectacular, was was what it just was spectacular. And uh, you know, Thunderbolt Patterson was talking about some of the stuff. He kind of veered off off the path at times, but it it was a great territory if you live there. But it was also a working man's territory. When I say working man, I mean in the ring. Uh, you know, for, for a while, Memphis was the shorter guy territory, but it was also a working man's territory. And, uh, you know, WWF or, or WWE, they were a territory, but they were the bigger man territory. And it was the slower style, more plotting and their TVs. And I go back, I watch their TVs all the time. They were boring. But Georgia Championship Wrestling was excitement all the time. And, it's just, I wish it could go back. I mean, we saw a little bit with studio wrestling with the NWA. We're really seeing a lot of that now with WWE, with Impact Wrestling, with AEW Wrestling, because there's no fans there. Because if you think about, look at that studio. Go back and look how many people were there. It wasn't a lot, but on television, it seemed like it was the biggest thing happening at the time. And it was because you look at the ratings. Yeah, and, and it's funny. We're talking about what's going on right now in our world, and, you know, wrestling can have audiences out there. But, you know, when you go back to Georgia Championship Wrestling or even Mid-Atlantic Wrestling or, you know, for a, sh you know, for a short time, AWA, like it was studio wrestling. There'd be 50 people, you know, maybe 75 people in that audience. It didn't really matter because they grabbed your attention and was so captivating what was going on in the ring. And Gordon Soley was such a great soundtrack to what was going on in the ring. Tommy, you didn't need that audience that was in the studio. No, not at all. It was so exciting. Muggs even liked it. But um, I, I can't say enough for, and I said it earlier, old school never die. If you're a wrestler, you need to go back and watch the territories. You need to go back and watch Mid-South Wrestling. You need to go back and watch specifically Georgia Championship Wrestling. That's where you had, they did everything kind of picture perfect where your work rate told where you, how you're going to get pushed, how you're going to succeed. And then if you could do it on the microphone, it's the same exact premise of what we're living in now. And you should watch this because like, I remember, uh, you know, before he became a Hall of Famer. Tito Santana was in Georgia Championship Wrestling for a long time. Rick Martel, this is where the good guys were good guys and the bad guys were bad guys. Bad guys cheated, good guys followed the rules, but good guys would kick the asses of the bad guys and the cheaters. And tag team wrestling between the Andersons, uh, you know, where you saw Ole and Gene and then a young Arn. Uh, it's just, I, I'm, I'm marking out and I can't wait to get finish this so I can go back and watch some Georgia championship wrestling and why it to me, it's so special is because you can't find it. You're only going to see bits and pieces of it from Georgia championship wrestling. But then there's also like names who like Mike Jackson, you know, he, we just used him uh, in impact wrestling and everyone started talking about, but here's a guy who was an enhancement talent paid to make others look better. But because he's on that TV every single week, 
people know who he is and people knew who wrestlers like that were because of the power of that. And though whatever bookers they went through, like I said, when your livelihood, when your families are on the line and you're not just getting money from somebody else, from a company, your company lives and dies by the fans. We're experiencing it today. You can go back and see how, how it is why back then, but how you're going to succeed for the future of the business going forward. And you and I are fans, but we're still talking about something that happened in the 80s because it's so relevant today. Well, because of the continuity. Bully and I talk about it all the time on the show. You know, not to knock it, but the, a lot of times the WWE doesn't give you continuity from week to week or month to month, uh, from event to event. It, you know, if you go back and go to YouTube and watch an episode of Georgia Championship Wrestling, you're going to want to watch the next episode because you're going to want to find out what happens. You want to you find out if there's going to be a conclusion to this story, to this feud. You know, you, you, you want to find out, does Ronnie Garvin get his revenge? Does Tommy Rich get his revenge? You know, you know what happened at the Omni at the end of December? You know, I need to watch that next episode to, to see, you know, if, if, you know, if we got a new champion crowned. These are things that were important. There was emotional investment in it. And I think that's a big reason why the territories were so successful. And you're seeing a lot of national shows right now kind of fall by the wayside because when you have three hours, you can't fill it and you have filler and people don't want to watch filler. When you go back and watch those territory shows, whether they were an hour long or 90 minutes long, there was no filler because everybody took their segment like it had to be a grand slam. It had to be a home run. And you, the proof is in the pudding. Go back and watch these shows from the late 70s and the early 80s, and you'll know what I'm talking about. Dave, if you talk about it, like I said, in its most simplistic form, if you think about it, you close your eyes, and if you're a listener, please do this, and you, and you watch Georgia Championship Wrestling. You close your eyes. You open in your brain. You'll see one camera shot, pretty much like if you were standing at the ring you would see the ring apron you would see georgia championship wrestling and that's how you viewed almost two hours of your uh concentration that way it wasn't overproduced you maybe had another camera angle when stuff went to the left not so much when it went to the right because there was nothing there and then when you went back to gordon Soli sitting at that podium you knew the camera would turn to the left almost like your point of view, because here's Gordon. And sometimes he wouldn't even be prepared. Sometimes if you go back and you watch, you'd see a puff of smoke because he's smoking during the broadcast. But, and then you'd wait for, you know, at this time I'm joined by, and the guys would walk in. They'd walk across the camera shot. It was so beautiful and simplistic in its, its form of what professional wrestling, and, and I keep saying this, what we're watching it, but when it's a polished product like it is today, the biggest element missing, and, and we've discussed this, it's the fans. And if there was 30 to 50 fans there going nuts for this, you have to understand how many people are going nuts for it at home. And you're captivating your audience by this most simplistic form. I always say like professional wrestling, we're not, not splitting the atom. We're not, not curing cancer. We're just out there to perform. And whoever's walking in or walking out, they did it. They took their time. Uh, human error or human stalling, it takes a while from, you know, here's Gordon Soley. I'm waiting on this time for my next guest. Here comes Bobby Heenan. And Bobby Heenan will start talking, blah, 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 blah. There was no mess ups. There was no edits. And if there were, Gordon would wrangle you back in. But uh, when you talk about continuity, I never saw the, the Bobby Heenan error. I read all his books. I love Bobby Heenan. He was a great dude. But he talked about the simple thing of every time he won, he would light a cigar. Sometimes he lit the cigar prematurely and that cost him where he would jump up on the apron because he knew his guy was going to win. Or he would take out that cigar, not all the time, but when that cigar came out and somebody used it as a weapon and stuck it in somebody's eye and you saw the baby face screaming around like it was Tommy Rich, you did not then see Tommy Rich for three weeks. You heard from Tommy Rich maybe the next week where, or you heard from Tommy Rich's friends and then two weeks later, you heard from Tommy Rich. But if you think about ratings, oh my God, I just saw my favorite wrestler get hurt. I got to tune in next week to see what happens to him. I don't. I have not seen what happened to him, but his friend told me he's going to be okay. And they didn't say next week, you're going to hear from Tommy Rich. But And then when Tommy Rich, 
The next week you open the show, where's Tommy Rich? And Gordon solely tells you, we're going to see, we're going to hear from Tommy Rich. Then you had his friend show a picture of Tommy Rich. This is his eye. And then they would do the remote, like a call in who knows he could have been behind literally behind that screen, like with a microphone, but for television and, and the purposes, it got it over. And, and you know, Trust me, I, I deal with a lot where, you know, I don't, people don't see things like how I see them, but when I, I explain them and I know it's right because I have stuff like that to remind me because all those guys and all those wrestlers were working seven nights a week, sometimes twice on Sunday because it was working because fans paid to see them. And that was before ratings and before that stuff. But I don't want to say before ratings, ratings were already there. Your show was hot because it was just that simple breakdown of doing it that way where uh, it worked. And again, Georgia Championship Wrestling, more than any other promotion, was able to do that with what they had behind it, which was Superstation WTBS. Tommy, this was absolutely awesome. It's not on the network, so you can only see it on YouTube, or if you're lucky like me, kept my VHS tapes and diverted them, you know, to uh, DVR, you know, my my compact disc, my, uh, you know, my... uh, DVD? I don't know. DVDs, thanks. Okay. <laughs> My DVDs. No like daddy I sodas was, yet. That's just a mental lapse. Yeah, I'll, I'll let it out. Uh, you, you can't watch it on the network, but you can watch it on YouTube or if you're lucky enough to convert your VHS to DVDs like I did. Tommy, awesome talking to Georgia Championship Wrestling with you. This was another presentation of Remembering the Territories right here on Busted Open. Be there. Be there. This has been Busted Open's Remembering the Territories, Georgia Championship Wrestling Special. Check Sirius XM On Demand for more Sirius XM Fight Nation content and follow us on Twitter at Busted Open Radio. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.